Welcome to the show. I'm Tosh Taylor. And I'm Jenna Morton. And we are joining you today via Zoom, as we do sometimes. And we are thrilled to be bringing a guest along for the ride today. We are welcoming Patricia Estabrooks to the show. And Patricia, you are here on behalf of the New Brunswick Adoption Foundation, which is just wrapping up your Awareness Month. So thank you so much for taking the time today to come on and chat a bit with us about adoption in New Brunswick. And I'm wondering if you could start by telling us a little bit about this past month and what your organization has been doing. So um, I can tell you a little bit about the foundation. What we do is we are the New Brunswick Adoption Foundation and our goal basically is to find a home for all the kids who are in care of the province so who are in foster care right now and who need homes we do that by you know advocating for the children and also by working with pre-adoptive families so families who are waiting to adopt and post-adoptive families families who've already adopted to help them gain the skills and the education they need to support these kids and the the, I guess the background or the challenges that some of these kids carry. And every month in November is a National Adoption Awareness Month. So we choose a, a topic or something in particular related to adoption to share with the public, not only our members, so the people who participate in our support network, but the public itself. And this year we've chosen to talk about the journey of children in care. So how children end up in foster care, what it's like for them as they live through it, and what kind of... Um, baggage they carry through that and what we can do as adults to help them through that and what it means to be a child who's gone through care and what it also means to be a parent who helps a child live through that and and get over that so this month we've had um, webinars on understanding trauma responses we've had webinars on um we, we did one in French and in English on understanding trauma responses. We did a lot of Facebook lives to talk about specifically what a child looks like in fight, flight, freeze response and things like that. And to give parents the tools to help the kids and to give pre-adoptive parents an idea of what's coming um, in their world. We also did an interracial webinar actually just last night that was really interesting to share what it's like to bring someone into your family that's not necessarily of the same race, the same culture, and the things you should consider. And um, we also had a parenting webinar. So we've got a few more things coming down the line. Next week, we really concentrate on youth. It's a youth in care week next week. So we have a youth panel coming. We have um, the coordinator for the Partners for Youth coming to speak with one of our coordinators about the uh, youth in care experience. And, uh, and then we're just going to close out the month with a, a meeting with all our um, all our coordinators just to talk about what we've learned over this month. One of the things that I've noticed following uh, your organization online has been how many, I don't know what the proper term is, I'm going, in my head I'm thinking graduates, but I guess that's not the, <laughs> but children who have gone through care and been adopted and are now young adults sharing their experiences. Um, is there a, a, a proper term for someone that, that kind of takes that, that role? So there's a couple of different things. So, you know, we call them youth advocates a lot of the time. Um, what happens is some of the kids who go through foster care age out which is really a sad, difficult thing. It means they reach the age of 18, they have not been adopted, and they move on to adulthood without the support of a permanent family. To, to help support some of those kids, we have uh, Partners for Youth who runs 
um, the New Brunswick Youth and Care Network, and they work with those kids to help them build some life skills that they not, may not have gotten. And one of the things they do too is work with them to teach them to use their voice, to speak, to advocate for the future children. So you'll see a lot of that. And there's a, a few youth leaders uh, through their network that share their stories. They've had panels all throughout this mm-hmm. month as well. So that's one side. And then there are simply the kids who are adopted and um, you know, become adults. And a lot of them, same way, because they're associated with us and with the Youth and Care Network, want to share their story. So, you know, they're resilient children who want things to be better for other kids and who want people to understand what their needs are. I think um, we're in a time now in this world where people are more open to understanding uh, psychological challenges and inclusivity and things like that. So those voices are louder now than they've been. And it's the time to really listen and say, how can we fix this? Interesting. So you mentioned their um, fostering as well. Can we talk about how adoption and the foster parent program work hand in hand? And at the same time, if someone was wanting to be an adoptive parent, do you need to be a foster parent first? You don't actually need to be a foster parent first. So fostering and adoption are actually very different things. Although to be approved as an adoptive parent or to be approved as a foster parent, it's really the same process. You apply, there's a training, you get a home assessments, you get really vetted, and then you get approved. Now, the roles are quite different. The role of a foster parent is to keep the child safe and um, work with social development and the biological family towards reunification. So a foster parent will meet with the birth family, would meet with social development, will basically give the child a safe spot while the family works out whatever they needed to work out to be able to take the child back home. It could be any something simple as, you know, homelessness sometimes, and they have to work through that. It can be a loss of a job. It can be a mental, mental health issue. And it can be other things. It can be negligence. It can be, but all those things, social development works with the family and with the foster family. Um, to bring the kids back together. Fostering is tough. Um, It takes a very special person. You have to open your home knowing that you're going to take this child and love them like they're your own, only to eventually return them back to um, their birth family. A lot of the time, foster families will stay connected with birth families because they've built that relationship. And most times when you have a child in your home, it's from like six months to a year to two years. So it can be a really long time. If you have kids already in your home, there's bonds there and so on. So that's the fostering side. Um, Adoption, when someone goes into adoption, most of the time they're looking at building their own family. There's a want and a need for a child there. So although you go through the same process, the placement is made in the idea that the child's going to stay with you permanently. Now there is six months to a year where you're followed by social development and they work with you to make sure it's going to be the right fit. But most of the time it follows through to a full legal adoption. Um, There are cases, I, I can't deny that there are cases where a child has made such a strong connection with their foster family or has been in care of that family for so long that when it comes time for, when it's decided that reunification can't happen and that uh, an adoption order is chosen, 
that social development will approach the foster family to see about adopting. So there are cases where foster families do adopt, but it's not a must. I'm thinking as you're talking about a friend of mine that, you know, growing up, I didn't realize he was in foster care. And as an adult, we reconnected and we talked about it. And I remember him sharing some of the stigma that he faced from peers and their parents who knew he was in foster care. And I'm wondering if any of that seems to have really shifted over the last 20 or so years, is there still that negative connotation around fostering or are we improving? I think it really depends who you ask, right? There was always one of the big things is that in media, so out in the world, in the movies and on TV, you know, there's a picture of what a foster family or foster situation is. There are some very positive pictures, but there are also some very negative pictures. So it'll depend who you speak with. Some people will say, oh, people who foster are in it for the money. That's not the reality of it, but that's their perception. So I think in that case, there's going to be a bias there against foster families. Um, In other cases, people are very respectful of what a foster family does and understand it. So there's some opening there. Um, In terms of the child, um, to be honest, the bias really is about the child, whether they're foster or adopted, because children who live through that are very particular they have very particular needs a lot of the times they don't manage their emotional emotions well um they're not very good in social situations so they're going to be the kid who sticks out at school who maybe doesn't make friends who's new to the classroom and so on so i think like in any situation when with children when someone's different they, they can be stigmatized with a lot of our kids um there are children who need aids at school who might have emotional flare-outs so you know, that sticks with them and that will happen. In terms of adults having a stigma, we see that a lot with teens. So again, because of the media, because of what you hear, because of the real trauma that that these children have lived, people will say, well, I I don't know if I want a teen, you know, they, they can be difficult, they can be, but the reality is that whether you adopt a child when they're an infant or when they're a teenager, Every adoption is a teen adoption because every child is going to go through their teenage years. And we know that's difficult for anyone. So um, and kids who have lived trauma and loss relive that trauma and that loss at every developmental stage because they learn to understand it again. You know what you understand when you're three or when you're six, when you're nine is different. And when you're 15 and you're trying to figure out who you are anyway, to have that background where you come from split families and did my mother or my father love me and why did they leave me? And so it's a lot to work through. So whether a child comes into your home as a teen or younger, you still have to do that work with them when the time comes. And the best thing to do is to make them feel safe, make them feel like they can share that with you. And, and, you know, um, I'm trying to find the words in English uh, to carry them through that, I guess, to support them through that. Yeah. I hope that answers the question. Absolutely. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm wondering with uh, the New Brunswick Adoption Foundation, what kind of services do you guys provide to the families that are adopting and are fostering to help teach the, the parents uh, how to deal with those situations? 
So um, when you apply to adopt, you're going to go through a pride course. That's something offered through social development. If you're applying to adopt a child in the province, or there's another agency that takes care of it. If you're looking at international adoption and that part covers basic things like what it means for the child has trauma, some of the challenges they could have, um, just some of the issues that the children in care have. And it work, walks you through that and how to deal with, um, you know, bring them into a new school, how to uh, work on attachment and so on. What we do at the foundation is sort of add to that information. Um, we have a peer support network. So a lot of families, I think now we're up to about 6,000 people in New Brunswick, Lincoln through our network. Um, and, um, you know, they, we have support meetings every month. We have about four support meetings a month where people, now we're doing it virtually, but can connect with one another and understand each other and, you know, just relate to one another. Because when you're not living in it, it's really hard sometimes to understand. So we do, we offer that. We also offer one-on-one -on -one support. Anyone who wants to call one of the coordinators we have across the province, you pick up the phone, you give us a call, we'll chat with you. We'll make arrangements to connect you with another parent who's maybe lived the same situation. We also offer webinars. So we have people come in and talk about specific topics that are um, either actively happening right now in the world or that we feel are being lived through by some of our parents right now. So we take their suggestions and organize things along the way. We used to do a lot more in person, but since the pandemic, we've gone virtual. It's actually allowed us to grow a lot and build connections throughout the province. So it's been a really big couple of years for us in that sense. And then we also just to accompany people throughout the day, something we started when we were all in lockdown is we do some lives uh, a couple of times a week where we just come as moms of adoptive kids or moms of foster kids and chat about whatever's happening right now. So sometimes it's about, Oh God, I can't believe this school strike. What am I doing with my kids? And just to vent. Cause one thing I can tell you, if you know anyone who's fostering or adopting or even thinking about it, please, please, please have them connect with us. There's nothing better than to see the relief on someone's face and their shoulders drop and just their breath leave their body when they realize that someone else is living what they're living. Um, being a foster or adoptive family can be very stressful. These kids need us so, so, so much. And it's not always visible from the outside world. A lot of people from outside might look at us and say, oh, those kids are spoiled or why are they acting out so much? So having that support from someone else who understands what that is makes the, all the difference in the world. I can tell you that I found out about the network as an adoptive mom, as a waiting parent, actually. I got connected with them and then we adopted. And it really helped me through the process right from the beginning. And I'm still connected now with people who were waiting to adopt with me 10 years ago, you know? and uh, Sometimes you just want to pick up the phone and go, oh, my God, I can't believe she did this. Or what did you do when this happened? Or, and we know how it is to connect mom to mom. But really, when you it's like connecting with someone who else has special needs, it's a special environment. And I encourage anyone to really connect with us. You you touched on the fact that you have a personal connection to this. What drew you in and what made you want to become an adoptive mother? Um, I have to say, I have sort of a 
double-sided story. So adoption's been in my family. I have some adopted cousins. Uh, my uh, my husband has, I know, a parent family who was fostered. So we had always sort of thought one day we want to adopt an older child, right? Because so many of the kids in care, like half of them are over 12. And when it came for us to start our family, unfortunately, we weren't able to biologically have a family. So the jump or the shift to adoption came fairly natural to us, really. Um, a lot of families in that situation will spend a lot of time uh, trying uh, through fertility treatments and so on. I have to stay for us because we had already said one day we want to adopt. You know, we looked into it, but then we just said, why? And we just jumped on, on the adoption bandwagon. We were following both for a little bit, but, um, you know, we moved forward pretty quickly with adoption. I think from the time we applied to the time we were matched with our kids was three years total. And, you know, once they tell you there's a little boy and a little girl and the little boy is blonde, like your husband, and the little girl has brown hair, like you, you know, you just, you're in, like, there's no... That's interesting. And that's uh, something I actually wanted to ask you about um, is the length of time. They, because I do have friends that, who have applied for the process and stuff and they had heard differently. Like it could be, you know, 12, 15 years before they see a child here in New Brunswick. So maybe that's not entirely true. Maybe people are getting scared off by wrong information. So the the thing is, there's there's no time frame at all. And I'll tell you why. It's because there's no kid factory, right? So there, um, there are children in care. Right now, if you look at the numbers, I think from July, they said there's 500 kids in care. Those 500 kids don't all necessarily have adoption plans. So they're in the care of a province. So there's less with adoption plans. Then there's the fact that a half of them are 12 and over, right? Um, and once you're 12, you can decide as a teen, yes, I want to be adopted or no, I don't. So a lot of them choose to just stay in their foster homes in the hopes that they can be reunited with their family and don't choose adoption. So that's already a chunk that aren't there. Uh, the other side is people want babies. Now, I don't know, um, you know, if you think about now when a, a woman is pregnant, her thought isn't, oh, I'm going to place the child for adoption. You raise the child, right? So there's not a lot of babies that get placed for adoption by the parent. Um, the other thing is when a child is removed because of negligence or abuse, it doesn't usually happen when the child is very little, unless there's been an incidence before with another sibling and they're on the radar for social development. So usually that happens after a child enters a daycare because people from outside will see the child or even school, because then they spend so much time outside of the home, you can notice. And even if a child's removed very, very young, there's that foster situation. So it's two years of working with the family and the foster family towards reunification. So in terms of wait time, um, if you say, I wanna adopt a child under two, it's true right now that the wait in New Brunswick is seven to 10 years. And it's not because they're holding the baby somewhere. It's simply there are no babies with adoption plans, right? So, and so I, it's seven to 10 years right now for the wait. Um, if you are adopting, if you're open to adopting a child over two, that can be very different. So 
we have to look at the weight in two separate mm-hmm. two separate things. There's the weight to be approved as a foster parent. And that I'd say to depending on the area you're in and how many people are ahead of you for the approval, it can take anywhere from one to three years to be approved as an adoptive parent. Um, I won't go into all the details. If people want to see the specific process, they can go on our website. But then the weight becomes, it's not about the parent anymore. Once you're an approved adoptive parent, you just, you have no priority over anyone else who has been approved before you. It's all about finding the best match for all the kids uh, who currently have adoption plans. So there's a different set of social workers who are working with children who have adoption plans and looking at all the families who are approved in no particular order, only in what's the best fit, and then you're matched. That's why there's no timeline because, um, you know, I can tell you about how long it'll take you to be approved, but then you have to wait. It's like waiting for the child to be born or waiting for the child, the right child to come to you. So it can be difficult. Um, I've seen placements happen a week after someone's been approved. And I've seen placements happen eight years after someone's been approved. It's all about how open you are to the needs of the kids. And it's really about who the kids in care are. Um, You know, we have, let's say, if there was a young girl who maybe had a traumatic experience with a male, um, the best match for her might be a single mother. Or uh, if you had... um, three kids, three siblings who wanted to be kept together, then maybe the best match would be a family who doesn't have any other children or things like that. There's also, if you have children at home, where in the age does the child fit? We have, um, you know, a lot of the children have ADHD. So sometimes if you are familiar with ADHD or know what it's like to live with that, they might match you with the child who has the same type of temperament you do. So there's all those things that matter. So I, I, I hate saying that to people, but there's no timeline. There just isn't. We need to be realistic about things. And we have to be realistic about the fact that we're coming up on the end of our time together today. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great. It's it's fascinating. And it's so important to hear those nuanced bits of just what goes into the system. So we want to give you a chance just to wrap up and let people know how to contact you and the foundation if they want more information. Sure, absolutely. You just go to nbadoption.ca. We have all our programming available there. You can sign up for a meeting. You can also send an email to info at nbadoption.ca. That goes to a general mailbox and we'll get back to you right away. Um, so you reach out anytime. If you do want to start the adoption process right away, you um, you should contact your local social development office. And um, there's a number you can call there. You have to check online what your, the number for your local office is, and they'll get the ball rolling. I do encourage anyone who wants to start that process, whether fostering or adopting, to reach out to us. We will help you with the forms, the questions, anything. It can be very daunting. A lot of the questions they ask, you don't know, and we'll, we'll help you along the way so absolutely so at nbadoption.ca absolutely fantastic i'm just fascinated i I could have done two episodes on this so (laughs) come back anytime (laughs) yeah thank you for giving us the honest and true answers too which is exactly what people need so thank you 